listener production. Wall Street ends a volatile week with modest gains for US stocks. And Aussie shares expected to open the week modestly higher with CSL shares expected to trade ex-dividend today. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Monday, the 11th of September. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. The markets, you know, how are you feeling about these markets at the moment? Let's talk about feelings. I know you like, you're a feelings-based person. <laughs> a little bit sheepish at the moment is the best way to describe it, Tom. It's... A challenging market at the moment, isn't it? We're in September, notoriously the worst month for shares of the year. Although we did see a little bit of a rally on Friday. It was oh, modest you at can't best. Talk that, you can't say that was a rally, Ryan. Uh, it was a, an expulsion of air having been beaten um, solidly over the course of the week. So at the end of the session on Friday, the Dow was up by a quarter of a percent. The S&P 500 up 0.1, same for the NASDAQ. And in weekly terms, the NASDAQ down 1.9%, the S&P 500 down 1.3%, and the Dow Jones down by 0.8%. So I think that we're at this point now where there is a equilibrium of sorts between concerns about inflation and concerns about growth. Uh, and that has shifted just over the course of the last fortnight, I reckon, in terms of what we have seen in China in particular, and that might be the linchpin. And I think, you know, having sort of navigated, if you were thinking about the Le Mans 24-hour race, right, you've raced in the day, you've gone... I'm talking about sport again. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about something that people might understand. You've You've had to go through a night of driving where you're not quite sure what's going to happen and you're emerging into the dawn where things are a little clearer. I think that's a fair assumption, Tom. I think that's a good anecdote. It's a fair conclusion. So investors may have found some comfort in the lack of bad news in Friday's session. That could be another factor as well. We obviously had a strong run of economic data last week. We had stronger than expected initial jobless claims, for example. That's reignited fears around rate hikes. Of course, we've got higher gas prices. We've got higher oil prices. That's fanning concerns around inflation as well. We've got rice prices and tomato Mm. prices and olive oil prices also lifting as well. It's true. But if you were to think of a picture where you had a secular swing higher for growth across all jurisdictions at the same time, that would be problematic. But at the moment, the way the picture is shaping up, you've got a strong US economy, you have got a faltering Chinese economy, and things are spluttering along as far as Europe is concerned. Things aren't going terribly badly as far as Australia is concerned. When you look at the big picture, pull out and you sort of just turn the volume down a little bit. How are you marking things? Well, I think one of the interesting things will be how the tech rally goes from here. I'm glad you said that. So certainly what we did see last week is the exertion of some pressure on those shares Mm. and China's expansion of a ban on Apple's iPhone landed last week just as bond yields were nudging higher and we've also got that continuing market valuation picture. Some would say it's an outright bubble. We've got the NASDAQ 100 equities trading at 27 times annual earnings That's 35% above the S&P 500. So Mm. at the moment, the concern is whether the AI frenzy will continue to propel tech shares higher and therefore the broader share market as well. Just to to highlight, uh, at the moment, 
the NASDAQ is up 31% year to date. Question is whether or not that's the, um, the high watermark. Well, that's a good question. And there's a couple of important events this week. So the first one is Apple. So speaking of which, their shares inched higher by 0.4% on Friday after a couple of days of losses. And Apple is holding its most important launch or event of the year on Tuesday. And it's going to unveil some new hardware, including the Apple iPhone 15 and Apple Watch models. Apple is hoping the new iPhones can bust a sales slump, fend off a new competition from Huawei, and persuade owners of Android phones to switch. It's such a pivotal week in that regard. So to your point, uh, a modest gain on Friday. In weekly terms, the stock down 6%. That's not the biggest fall we've seen in recent weeks. It was actually down 7% in the first week of August. But how the market responds to this product launch will be pivotal because to, if you, you know, any reasonable person looking at the chart of Apple can see that the price is broken down. Uh, and it needs a meaningful catalyst. In year-to-date terms, the stock is up 37%. Uh, again, the question for investors would be, how much more of an improvement can we see on that, given what we know at the moment? And, of course, a lot also hinges on the performance of chip maker NVIDIA and also electric vehicle maker Tesla. They fell more than 1% on Friday, and there could be some profit-taking on those at the moment. So... They're also quite critical in this whole discussion. But the other big thing this week, apart from the European Central Bank meeting, is we get the US inflation data for the month of August. So we're expecting to see headline inflation up by 0.6% in the month of August. That'll be pushed higher by a 7% increase in petrol prices. Uh, however, we're expecting to see the core inflation number up by just 0.2%. Importantly, the US Federal Reserve looks at that core number, which strips out volatile energy and food prices, and the annualised number could actually decline from 4.7% to 4.3%, which is the opposite of what will happen with the headline number, which will increase probably from 3.2% to 3.6%. So it'll be interesting to see how traders digest those numbers. On top of the US inflation numbers, we had China's inflation numbers actually released on Saturday. But what we did see was China's deflationary pressures eased slightly in August as consumer prices rose and producer price declines moderated. And that added to signs the worst may be over for some parts of the world's second biggest economy. So the consumer price index rose by a measly 0.1% last month from a year ago. And that followed a decline of 0.3% in July, which was the first decline in over two years. Core inflation, which strips out the volatile food and energy costs, actually climbed by 0.8%. So that will encourage the Chinese somewhat. There's some demand in that economy at the moment, which is feeding into some pricing power for companies. However, producer prices fell by 3%, easing from a decrease of 4.4% year-on-year. So what we saw was consumer prices lifting, helped by summer travel, which boosted transportation, cultural tourism, accommodation, catering, and some other sectors. And producer prices improved thanks to rising international oil prices and base effects, Tom. So the takeout there is that, uh, again, inflation, a diminished risk, uh, and it's firmly skewed in another direction where the risks lie, where the Chinese economy is concerned. So how's that? I was going to say, just in terms of Asia, though, we have seen surging rice prices. So what we have seen there is rice inflation in Southeast Asia increasing at the fastest pace in almost five years in August, and that's revived memories of a 2018 shock that led to the end of two-decade-old limit on imports. So the Philippines 
has been under pressure recently around this and the Philippine Central Bank actually warned that it may resume monetary policy tightening on the back of this. And what's happening at the moment is India's restricting uh, exports of rice. And we have seen tomato prices in Italy also lift by 40% this year on the back of bad weather. And crop failures in Spain have seen Spanish wholesale olive oil prices hit record highs as well. So we are seeing food inflation rear its head again, Tom, at the same time that oil prices are at nine-month highs. Indeed. I mean, a lot of that actually turns around climatic outcomes because of the uh, uh, situation with rainfall in parts of Southeast Asia. The crop yields are suffering dramatically because of um, the uh, reduced rainfall in, in tropical and equatorial areas. So it's a very significant issue that is playing out in terms of the inflationary landscape, as you well point out there, Ryan. So in terms of uh, the local picture this week, it's an important one. We've got the August unemployment report on Thursday. Where are the risks for this number? Well, Commonwealth Bank economists have got uh, out of consensus 40,000 increase in jobs for the month of August. That said, the unemployment rate's expected to remain steady at 3.7%. So we did see a lot of volatility in the July numbers. It was school holidays and people tend to take a lot of leave around that time. So we did see potentially a bit of a skewing in the numbers in July, but the consensus is for 25,500 jobs to be added. So broadly, uh, we're expecting to see an improvement in August, but the unemployment rate remaining fairly low levels at 3.7%. If you were to like point to one thing that's a, uh, your big watch for the week, what would it be? I think the European Central Bank, it's the main central bank this week that's announcing its interest rate decision. It's going to be a finely balanced one. So Commonwealth Bank economists are expecting a close call between no change or an increase of 25 basis points. We have seen growth in the Eurozone slow and forward-looking indicators are weak. Inflation still high. So Inflation was 5.3% in August. That's well above the ECB's 2% target. There's underlying price pressures only reducing slightly at the moment. Policymakers have reiterated that another rate hike is a possibility. We've seen 425 basis points worth of rate hikes since July 2022. So we're expecting to see the potential for a rate hike, but markets are pricing in a pause. For me, if I was to be watching one thing this week outside of the Australian picture, I think I'd be watching the fortunes of Apple shares, um, given the way that they have performed over the course of uh, the last month and uh, how significant the big picture has been in terms of the shifts. That's uh, important in terms of the leadership for, for the NASDAQ. So that's uh, one thing that I'm interested in, in addition to the oil price. So uh, that ceiling around $90 a barrel for, for oil, I think, is quite important. And is it capable of moving beyond this when you have the uh, very obvious struggles of the Chinese economy being um, played out as, uh, as they are at the moment? Well, I think that OPEC Plus will keep the market tight going into winter. And we have seen both the Brent and NYMEX prices up about 2% last week. That followed gains of 5 and 7% for the prior week. So certainly all prices are on a tear at the moment. Just look at the Bowser here in Sydney today, $2.27 a litre for unleaded. So that's going to hit people in the hip pocket. The other thing to note is we've seen rising US diesel prices and they're supporting crude prices with heating oil futures up about 3% on Friday as well. And we also have some energy traders noting that we have seasonal refinery maintenance in Russia in September that'll likely reduce diesel exports. 
And interestingly, we've seen Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro, not someone we talk about too frequently. He's arrived in China for his first visit in five years. China's the world's largest oil importer, and you're talking about Chinese demand at the moment. And Venezuela, an OPEC member, has the world's largest proven crude reserves. So certainly a lot of discussion there about oil prices, but let's also not forget that gas prices or natural gas prices in Europe on Friday surged as much as 13%. And we have seen workers at key Chevron sites in Australia, so at Gorgon and Wheatstone facilities, they account for about 7% of the global LNG supply just off the shelf of Western Australia. And they've begun potential or partial strikes and, of course, that's ruling gas markets at the moment. So that may feed into the energy crisis that we have started to see a little bit of. It's not quite as bad as it was during Russia's invasion of Ukraine, but certainly... Certainly a factor, isn't it? It's a factor for households under cost-of-living pressures. Indeed. So the futures are predicting that the ASX 200 will kick off in positive territory, albeit by a very fine margin of 0.1 of a percent. That's a gain of four points in terms of what we saw for the futures contract at the end of the session on Saturday morning. Uh, We've got a spate of organisations continuing to go ex-dividend over the course of this week. So that's something to bear in mind in terms of uh, the market's labour. And then uh, we're also into the AGM season, I suppose, Ryan, as well. So that's going to be important in terms of how organisations couch the picture for the end of this year and potentially the beginning of next year. Certainly. So we've got Katmandu or KMD Brands that's hosting an AGM today. So we'll get a temperature check of, I guess, demand for... Outdoor adventure clothing. You're a bit of a Katmandu guy, aren't you, Tom? Or are you more of a MacPack fella? Oh, look, you know, I'm uh, just in favour of a functional and durable device that will put me in good stead against the elements. Right. Nice one. So shares of CSL, Hub24 and Sandfire Resources all trade ex-dividend today and could be lower. Look out for Oracle earnings in the United States tonight. In terms of commodity prices... Tom mentioned what happened with oil. We did see the old Brent price up 0.8% to 90.65 US dollars a barrel. Gold futures were steady at 1942.70 US dollars an ounce. And iron ore futures fell by 0.4% to 116.90 US dollars a tonne. And we did see iron ore nudge lower after China's government once again warned some market players not to hype up prices for the steelmaking material. So we have seen this before where government agencies in China come out and the iron ore price is broadly around four-month highs at the moment, and they tell companies that they shouldn't be deliberately exaggerating the atmosphere driving price rallies. I always come up with some interesting language around this, but in Stop other words, it or you'll get the strap, Indeed, what they're saying. So iron ore prices could be under pressure on the back of that. So thank you very much for joining us this Monday. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow morning. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067-254-399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.